Welcome to the Digging Deeper podcast hosted by 4constructionpros.com and covering various aspects of the construction industry, including the equipment, people, companies, and associations making it all happen. In this episode, our colleague Sarah Jensen, editor of OEM Off-Highway, spoke with Shell's Greg Morris about a new grease specification for heavy-duty equipment, as well as the important role greases play in construction equipment performance. Let's dig in with Sarah and Greg now. So could you provide an overview of the new National Lubricating Grease Institute high-performance multi-use grease specifications, which have recently gone into effect? Uh, sure. Um, the specification is intended to be an overarching customer-focused specification that is thick and neutral. And by that, I mean it does not single out one preference for a specific thickener type, such as lithium, lithium complex, calcium sulfonate. It looks to, you know, from the customer application and performance back to the grease. The tests included in the specification are standard industry accepted greases that are a test that indicate, uh, you know, effective operation in the key functional areas for greases in sealing, wear protection, torque, load carrying capacity and corrosion protection. So the HPM core specification sets the initial bar and then the endorsements that uh, that you can add to it impose more stringent performance requirements, whether you're looking for, you say, an, you know, enhanced corrosion control or, uh, or load carrying capacity, for instance. Uh, you know, a grease that is, that is, you know, carries the, core requirement can have an HPM specification or it can carry as many of those endorsements as you can basically meet the requirements for. So for instance, the you know, the additional endorsements are water resistance, corrosion resistance, uh, high load, low temperature, and then there's you know in coming in the future is going to be high temperature and long life. So you know you you know, if your grease meets all those specifications, you know, uh, the test requirements for all those specifications, it could carry all of those endorsements. Now, it'd be difficult, but, you know, it could. Um, um, you know, all of this is then, you know, each, you know, a qualified grease, you know, there's a very dedicated process to, to qualify the product. You, you provide test results to, uh, to the NLGI, then those are validated through a third party. So it's you know, not just you taking, you know, somebody taking your word for what you, what you say you can do. This is validated. And then it's audited. So <clears throat> each year, randomly, the grease is pulled off the shelf. It's checked against the standard to make sure that, uh, that it meets the requirement. It's a little different than the NLGI GCLB spec, which is in that the GCLB spec is not audited, you know, all the greases are audited, but they're not audited at the same frequency. So, um, so this is a bit more stringent. There's more uh, quality control essentially around this specification than what was seen in the past with the uh, GCLB. Mm -hmm. Okay. So could you go into a little bit about maybe what brought about the development or maybe if there was an industry need for the new grease specifications and what benefits it will provide to um, the heavy duty trucking and equipment industries? Well, um, I guess, first of all, 
uh, the GCLB spec was was based on equipment and hardware that was, you know, from 1960s, 70s. Okay. Um, so, you know, equipment itself has changed a lot. Um, you know, operational conditions have changed. Mm-hmm. Machine components are getting smaller. Relative loads are increasing and temperatures are going up. So there's, you know, more stress is placed on the grease itself. Um, there were some problems with the uh, with the tests that are in the GCLB uh, specification, so they had to be updated. So there were lots of reasons why. Um, but finally, probably the most important thing is that customer expectations are changing. People are demanding more, and they're looking for something that kind of guarantees the performance or gives them an expectation of performance. Mm-hmm. So as we move forward. Um, you know, there's going to be more focus on <clears throat> lost work and sustainability. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then mm-hmm. um, all of this will have a positive impact on total cost of ownership for for maintenance operators. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so what are maybe some of the important factors which need to be taken into consideration when developing creases for use in construction equipment or other similar heavy-duty equipment? Well, probably, um, you know, the big items would be load carrying capacity, anti-wear, you know, you reducing wear on components and, and extreme pressure, you know, the capacity to, to carry the load basically is, is number one. Um, mechanical stability and the sealing potential of the grease, you know, to keep dirt, water, other contaminants out of, out of the application. Uh, so, you know, hand in hand with that is resistance to water wash out because, you know, construction equipment and, and products, you know, are running through standing water or they're being sprayed off. So you really have to have something that seals against that. So water resistance is important. Um, you know, these, you know, the equipment operates outside. So it can be from, you know, summer in Arizona to winter in Alberta. So, you know, you have a you have a wide range of ambient conditions, so flow. Uh, you know, being able to apply the grease where it needs to go on a piece of equipment is is you know hugely important, and all that is taken into consideration. Uh, and corrosion control, resistance to corrosion because of the water issues and, and being outside, all of those things are you know highly important. Um, versatility, <clears throat> you know, the product itself is important. Maintenance folks, you know, they don't like to have uh, multiple greases or one grease for this application, another grease for another application, or, you know, if they have a mixed fleet, they don't want to have multiple products. They want to have simplicity. So, you know, that operational complexity, too many products, uh, you know, increases the chances for misapplication. If you have compatibility issues between greases, you know, you can cause a problem by misapplying. So there's lots of things that can go wrong. Uh, so, you know, those are the things that you, you kind of go to as the, the things to consider most often. But, you know, in addition to all of that, you know, each of the OEMs, uh, you know, whether that's somebody like Komatsu or Caterpillar, you know, they have their own set of requirements or, the, or they have their own set of expectations on performance. And so they they impose, uh, some of them have a specification, some of them don't, but they kind of, uh, you know, have an expectation, which leads back to either selling their own, uh, you know, offer basically through their dealer network or, 
whether that's you know just an expectation around performance you know so they can honor the warranty uh you know on components with uh with a new piece of equipment so all those things you know come into play when you uh when you talk about what you choose how you choose it uh you know we are very specific you know we go out we look at what the oem requirements are when we're developing new races but uh, for road construction and, and mining equipment, those types of things, uh, there's not a lot of you know, huge changes that happen. There are requirements that are pretty common across you know, different OEMs, and so it's easy to consolidate that. Uh, there may be some individual nuances from OEM to OEM that you have to consider, but by and large, uh, they're very similar. But all of those things are important when you're formulating a product for, for this type of equipment. And will you guys work together at all with an OEM to ensure the greases are meeting their equipment requirements? Uh, yes, we do. Uh, in one particular case, uh, just recently in the last, uh, let's see, say 2018, 2019, one of the major OEMs basically uh, Put together a, a draft for a multi-purpose type grease or multi-use type grease they had another one for open gear use applications and so they they kind of laid it out they went out to the individual grease suppliers and said hey what should that limit be what would be good performance in this application you know based on these test requirements and so it was an iterative process they went out to to shell they went out to other suppliers and they asked them Hey, you know, what is your opinion? How do you, you know, what's your view on this? What's the most important thing to include or, or should this even be considered at all? And so that process, you know, you, by going out to these different manufacturers, different suppliers, getting that feedback then allowed them to really, you know, focus on what was important and then actually set limits that made sense. And then from there, they published a, a, you know, a specification that says, okay, here's a high performance, you know, specification for those, those greases that are going to be used on our equipment. If it doesn't meet this, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to allow that piece, that grease on our equipment. And so it was very specific. And, you know, we consider that a good process because it takes into account, you know, not just, you know, what we think, but it also validates for the OEM that, you know, there is some commonality here. There is some expectation of performance and, and we can come to an agreement about these things. And the HPM specification is kind of the same thing. We, you know, as an industry, we came together. So, you know, the, the folks, this was a highly iterative process where we went through and we did that same thing. We looked at what tests should be in, should be out, what is agreed and what's not agreed. We argued some points. I mean, we, <laughs> We had some cases where we we got into disagreements about what uh, you know a limit should be, but that's a that's a that's a healthy discussion. And you know, being transparent and open in those conversations is is the best way for us to get to you know the right solution, the right solution for the customer and the right solution for the manufacturer. And so maybe can you discuss a little bit about maybe what role um, using the right grease can play in ensuring performance of various components and systems on a piece of construction equipment? You know, each each application has a different set of requirements. While, you know, some some applications have common requirements like sealing or, you know, you know, being an effective seal or or, you know, K 
carrying load carrying capacity, you know, it has to be has to meet the need for the application. But you know, as you go from a high speed operation to a low speed operation, and you go from a lightly loaded bearing to a heavily loaded bearing, you know, those requirements from a viscosity perspective are completely different. So, mm-hmm. so when you when you look at say you know versatility, I talked about it's important, but you don't have a one size fits all. So you wouldn't put a um, you know a high viscosity product in a in a wheel bearing uh, that you know if it contains solid lubricants most you know that's that's usually generally not what you do, right. um, and so so you know you have to be very specific about some parts. Uh, you know customers will consolidate you know, to make their life simpler and easier, mm-hmm. and that's okay. But there are some things you just you just can't do. You can't put an ISO 460 into an electric motor and expect everything to go well. Uh, right. You're going to see uh, <laughs> you're going to see you know increases in operating temperature. You're going to see you know potential for you know the product you know, not staying in the bearing, uh, getting inside of the the electric motor itself, causing a failure. You know, replace the electric motor, rebuild the motor. That's a very real possibility. If you're using a product that is uh, is very low viscosity um, in you know in Arizona in the in the summer, and uh, you've got in a piece of uh, piece of construction equipment with pins and bushings, uh, you're going to hear squealing. You're going to hear hear uh, you know excessive wear, and you're going to see pins fail at mm. a premature rate. And so, you know, you have to be very careful about choosing the right one. Uh, you know, there are some commonalities in which, you know, oxidation and corrosion control, those are pretty common. But, but other than that, you have to be very specific. And, uh, you know, we don't want to complicate uh, folks' life. That's not what, what we want to do. But, right. but at some point, you have, to do, you have to draw a line and say, okay, for these applications, you use this type of grease. And then for these use a different type of grease and we try to provide that guidance uh, to the customer whenever they uh, they either reach out or when we do transitions with those customers and talk about hey what has been your practice or we go in and do a, a value improvement project where we say okay this is what you're doing today but this will help you get to a better spot this will reduce your component wear this will reduce your consumption or whatever that might be so those are all things to be considered and uh and, you know, our customers appreciate it, uh, you know, it helps them save money. It reduces their, you know, their, their repair costs and uh, increases their uptime. And that's exactly what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then how, if at all, does the company see Grace is uh, evolving in the coming years? And do you guys maybe foresee the advancement of electrification, alternative fuels, or even automation having any impact on greases in the future? Mm, that's a great question. I, I think that there are lots of things that are changing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the pace of change within the within the grease in, industry as far as uh, thickener technologies have been pretty stagnant. Uh, but it's it's been stagnant because we've had, you know, products that work very effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, what what we're seeing now or what we see coming is that, that this will change. Uh, those performance expectations are going to change because the conditions are different. Um, uh, more OEMs are looking for greases that will last the lifetime of the component. And so that means that the, 
the grease itself that goes into that component so that that built piece of 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 that component that lands uh, at an oem you know is expected to last for you know 10,000 50,000 60,000 hours whatever that might be they put it out there so that the, the product in here has to last that long because they don't want somebody putting something in it that they shouldn't because it impacts their warranty claims or it impacts their liability reputation so those are those are things that we see that that you know you know would be coming in the future mm-hmm. um, you know we've had some you know this lithium is is a is a, the major thickener family that you see with us, lithium or lithium complex or lithium calcium, those are all products that, that you see that, that occupy 60 to 70% of the greases that are sold globally. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, you know, and that's for a reason. It's versatile. It does a good job and has great frictional properties. There's a lot of good things about it, but it has limitations. And, uh, you know, while the demand for lithium for grease is basically stayed flat, the, the demand for lithium for other applications like batteries is not. So you're seeing price pressure. Uh, you're seeing, you know, concerns about, you know, from a regulatory perspective that may be coming on lithium. So mm-hmm. as you think about that, then you see, you know, other thickener types are going to emerge. If they're not in the market today, they will emerge. Or you're going to see people migrate to other thickener types because of the increases in cost in lithium. So those are things that, that we probably will see very soon, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm excited about what might emerge, what will come, because uh, you know, just because this is the way we've been doing it for the last 50 or 80 years doesn't mean that that's the only way to do it. Right. And as, as things change, we need to change with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, along those lines with electrification, um, yeah, it's going to place some some much different demands on greases. You know, while you look at a internal combustion vehicle and and you know, the weight of that internal combustion vehicle, you know, the engine is is a big part of that. Mm-hmm. So you think, okay, we're going to take the engine out. So now, what are we going to do? Well, electric motor is is not as heavy as a as an engine is, but then uh, the batteries are. And so what you actually see, kind of counterintuitively, is that that the weight of the vehicles may may actually increase. So the the weight per axle is different. Mm-hmm. Uh, the load carrying capacity, the design of the bearings are different. And so when that that happens, it causes you know, to look at formulations and and how you advertise the product. Uh, it impacts basal viscosity, and at the same time, we have this you know push towards increased uh, range for electric vehicles so we we want to push viscosity down as much as we can we're seeing uh, a movement to you know bearings that are not you know now they're primarily tapered roller bearings in north america we're seeing it move to different bearing designs mm-hmm. and so all of that will, will play a, a part in, in changing what we use as far as greases in in an application you know and, and probably you know you remove the engine, you know, the vehicle itself is quiet. Mm-hmm. So, so people have an expectation that when they move something, they didn't pay attention to it last year when they had a, you know, a standard vehicle, but now that they don't have engine noise, uh, when they move the seat, when they roll down the window, when the wipers operate, 
um, they don't want to hear that. Mm-hmm. So you're going to see actually people going towards quiet, quiet operations. So they want their vehicle to be nice and quiet. It's kind of like they're, they're rolling fortress of, of quiet as they go down the road, you know, <laughs> so they, they want to be, they want to be comfortable. They want to, they want to hear what they want to hear you know, right. either in a podcast or, you know, on the, on the radio, but they don't mm-hmm. want to hear, they don't want to hear the road. They don't want to hear the machinery working. They want to hear what they want to hear. Right. So I think that that's another thing that's going to emerge, uh, you know, as far as directly with automation. Yeah, automation mm-hmm. placed uh, a different requirement on uh, on greases. You know, you see in robotics, you see a, a movement towards articulated joints with gear reducers, and you see um, semi-fluid greases being increasingly more important than like a standard NLGI two grease. And so that has a different set of requirements. It's it's a different different frictional properties and expectations. Uh, again. It can include noise as well. And so all of those things will, will place a different formulary you know, look uh, on the grease itself. And so when you find that uh, performance that you're looking for, it may not look like it's your, your standard red and tacky grease that's on the shelf at, uh, at the retail. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, well, great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today and provide some more insights into the new grease specification, as well as just kind of general grease use and trends uh, you guys are seeing in the heavy equipment industries. Well, thank you for the opportunity. And if there's uh, anything that we can do for you again, please let us know. (laughs) Definitely. Well, that's it for this edition of Digging Deeper. Thank you to Greg Morris at Shell for joining us. Tune in every week for another episode of the Digging Deeper podcast by 4constructionpros.com. You keep listening, we'll keep digging. Until next time.